Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our podcast. It's called Maybe the Last Blockbuster? I don't know. What do you guys think? It's definitely not going to be the Crinkle Lord. Last podcast, the last blockbuster sounds good to me so far. I think it's going to be called the last, the last recording we ever make (laughs) because we're about to lose our fucking minds. The last recording we ever make, parentheses, before everybody lost their fucking mind and gave up. Yeah. We're, uh, we're on episode two. We're experiencing technical difficulties, but I wouldn't have it any other way because. To quote, <laughs> say it, Sam Witwicky from Transformers, director Michael Bay. No, no sacrifice, no victory. Oh man, I was great! Really, I, I was really kind of hoping the Deepak Chopra, it's the journey, not the destination. But also, I don't, I don't, nope. I'm pretty sure Sam Witwicky is on the same level as Deepak Chopra. I get just as much inspiration from that abusive, unhinged talentless piece of shit in that movie that i do from film podcast christopher this is a film podcast yeah i I do apologize i i I quote films if there's one thing you can say about transformers and all those movies is that they are in fact film and i'm not just saying movies (laughs) that is real film that's a shit martin scorsese didn't even come out and shit on all right so that is real film so there it is those of you at home the two people who are listening to this podcast We've 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 started this over about four times now, <laughs> and every time we've had a shorter and shorter intro. We were going to introduce ourselves. We were going to talk about some news, but it's late. I've had a couple of beers, so I'm gonna christen. I'm gonna christen this podcast by saying, "Let's dive right in." Let's talk about some topics. I I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to say that last time we recorded. I was like, I need to christen the podcast and say, let's dive right in. <laughs> it's not a podcast unless you say that. That's just my experience. It's true. It's true. But um, yeah, my name's Carlos. To my right is a beer bottle. But nice. I'm, I'm recording this podcast with my brother, Ramon. What's up? <laughs> And my best friend, Chris. Hi. And We're both dad. technically to your right if we went, if you went long enough. If you went far long enough, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say my cat, Daisy. She's here, too. She's just staring at me, waiting for me to fill her food bowl. <laughs> but um, it is Wednesday, the 5th of February, which means that this Sunday is the Academy Awards, which is, you know... Pretty much the Something. worst night for movies. Yeah, <laughs> pretty pretty much the, the it, it's it's all at once the most insignificant day of the entire like year, but it's always it always manages to like falsely summarize an entire year of great movies. And the crinkling is back with a vengeance. Good. Okay, good. Bring it. Fuck it. I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, nothing's changed. It's so weird. That's okay. Did uh, Chris? Hmm? Out of the best picture nominees this year, 
did you see any? Yeah, I saw. Um, I didn't see JoJo, which I I probably should have because I think that's probably the one I would have voted for. Huh. Um, I saw Parasite. I saw Marriage Story. I nice. saw other ones that I can't remember off the top of my head. Do you have the Let list me read them off? Let me read yeah, them yeah. We have 1917, hmm. Irishman, <laughs> I did Little see that. Lemon, Jojo Rabbit, Marriage Story, Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 4 v. Ferrari, Dawn of Justice, <laughs> and last but not least, Joker. Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's right. I did see him. I, I saw more than half of them. Yeah. You know, a lot of people were kind of bitching about the list, but I think this is a pretty solid Honestly, came out this year. Of all years, like in the past several years where I've been keeping in track of the Oscars, like these are all movies I planned to see, but life got in the way. Well, here, and here's I- the thing. Like, I mean, my top 10 list is totally different, and there's things that I would take off of this. But I think, like, as far as, like... It, it's it's expected that everything everything that's on here is on here, but you know the fact that they nominated Parasite's a big step. Yeah, and I think this these this movie this is a good. I, I know there's always that battle when it comes to what's nominated for the Oscars because, like you said, it's insignificant because that's just it's it's a it's a prestigious film institute, but at the same time, it's just it, it it's not the Bible of movies. It's a a bunch of old guys who don't even really watch all the nominees. But it's, it's, there's always a battle when it comes to choosing movies that are culturally relevant at the time, which I do think is important when it comes to talking about the quality of a film, because you look back at the Oscars and you see a bunch of like uh, winners, like Hurt Locker, Crash, Hurt Locker, great movie. Nobody really talks about it anymore. Crash. <laughs> crash is crash. Um, but then you look at movies that like didn't win that year that are that were like nominated but maintained more significance. I can't think of any offhand. Um, but it, these are movies I think they they were are good because they're movies that people are talking about, and they were talking about them before they uh were for the nominees were yeah like people talked and not just not just like film circles but just social media and pop culture in general people were talking about marriage store and people were talking about a lot about jojo rabbit which i'm really upset i didn't see um so yeah i think this is a really interesting year like i said i've seen two of them and I'd be really interested. Did you see all of them, or there's still some? The only one I haven't seen is Ford v. v Ferrari, and well, you could not fucking pay me to see that. I do not give a shit. I've actually heard incredibly interesting things about that, and of course, they all came from uh, everybody's favorite Twitter user, Movie Bob. Um, like, that was the first movie in a long time that had all this, this, uh, you know, it was getting kind of hyped up big award season movie and i was just like i cannot bring myself to go to the theater and pay to see this like i just do not care doing biopics and real life movies for me that get nominated are always a hit or miss with me because i'm either if it's not something that i'm interested like um oh what was the one with um ryan gosling where he was what's his face oh Uh, 
first man, like that's something I'm interested in because space and NASA, that's interesting. So of course I wanted to get that, but like Ford v Ferrari, it's about cars. I don't really give a shit, but let, I, let me say this though. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. Okay, I no, I was going to say the things that I've heard about it once again, mostly coming from movie Bob. And I think, um, Brad Jones and cinema snob, he talked about this too, is that it, it sits in this really interesting little middle ground because it's about something that's expressly very like manly in the corporate world of fast cars and in the time period takes place. But it's also this really touching look at how guys can develop relationships and, and things like that. And how they do with like, I guess relationships with their fathers and things like that. And I'm interested in that, that it's not just about, Oh man, the fast cars and the making money. And it's about it's more than that. By James Mangold. I didn't know that. Who who is James Mangold again? Walk the Line and Logan. Those are the uh, two. That... Uh, wait, James Mangold directed Walk the Line. Yeah. Holy shit! Okay, so, I'm like eighty percent sure. Okay, never mind. Um, I'm a hundred and ten percent into seeing this. Now. I did want to mention this. This is kind of interesting. Um, how many nominations are there? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine. Um, one, two. Only three of them are based on previously existing things. Well, no, that's not true. Never mind. I was going to say most of them were original ideas, but Jojo Rabbit's technically based on a book, and so is The Irishman. Most movies end up being, most movies are loosely based on books nowadays. I don't think people realize how much stuff is yeah. in previous material. But no, it's, it, and this isn't a bad collection of movies. Did, yeah. Did any of you guys see 1917? No. I really want to, but I didn't. Chris, did you? No, I did. I didn't care to personally. Who, who directed yeah. that? It's Sam Mendes. Oh, okay, sweet. It's 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 a movie that I walked out of really enjoying, and then an hour later, I lowered my rating like a whole star. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> well, that's my problem with like that was because you know I had some buddies who watched it, and they're like, yeah, it was a fun war film, like. Yeah, but, like, did it do anything that, like, I haven't seen? No, Chris, I, I've never really said this about a movie, but I think it would have been better as a video game. Because yeah, I believe it. The one-take gimmick is, it's it's so useless. Has there ever been a film that's done the one-take gimmick, oh, besides Birdman, and that actually has actually enhanced the tone of the film and not been a complete gimmick? German movie called, I think it's German, called Victoria. It's two and a half hours long, and it is all actually one shot. When was that made? Uh, a couple of years ago. Okay, it, so it's a recent movie. Wow. It's great. And it's all done in one shot. And it's, Now, a little, a little like, uh, tangent for a second. Like, doing that, do you know anything about the production? Like, how you can do a film in one take. Cause I know they used to not be able to do that back when they shot exclusively on film because a raw, like a, you know, real film only lasts so many minutes, but now with digital filmmaking, you can do it indefinitely. Did they film it digitally? What? 1917? No, the German movie, Victoria. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. They filmed it digitally? Okay. It's two and a half hours long. I mean, it's, it's, epic. I, know, I know there are films before that they would film, one, I forget how they would do it to film one take. I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. but I mean, with 1917, it's so obvious where the cuts are, and it's oh man, they don't stick to it. There's literally, there's literally a point in the movie where the screen cuts to black for like a whole second, and it's just like, why even do this if you're not going right. to commit to it or try to do it in a way that's, you know, really 
more subtle. It it just didn't. It... Well, and so like yeah, so that's tackling the greatest gimmick of the film. Then you get to this my my secondary qualm with it, which is just the fact that like World War One and World War Two have had a lot of like high tier showings mm-hmm. in film, and so like you can't do Band of Brothers so infinitely all right i've seen (laughs) band of brothers i've seen saving private ryan and you reach a point where like showing the camaraderie of like forces tasked with the impossible like specifically in this same war setting that i've either seen and or played um to me i I personally find the world war one world war two genre to be the arguably one of the most boring nowadays because we have eaten so richly in the past yeah i mean that's the thing it's like he knew that he had to try to spice it up with something because it would have just been another war movie but i think i think one the the only other world war ii movie i can think of besides like i haven't seen band of brothers was that a was that a a series or was that a movie series yeah it was a series it's like technically not a movie I still haven't seen that yet, but like one of my favorite movies. That line is so blurred nowadays, though. Doesn't matter. Yeah, like one of my favorite movies ever is Saving Private Ryan. And like I think that's like that's like you can't. I don't think you could make a better war film than Saving Private Ryan. Like you probably could, but like personally, I don't think you can make a better one um, than that. But like a war movie, two war movies that, that stuck out in my mind still are the red and blue version of World War Two when it comes to Let Us from Iwo Jima and the Flags of Our Fathers. Mm-hmm. I like that they took a different direction looking at the war one was I, i'm my memory of it might be a little dicey because it's been a couple of years since i've seen it but like how flags of our fathers wasn't just about the war it was about using that famous imagery as not necessarily like like propaganda but how they kind of use these guys as almost props and them being icons and heroes and then of course let us from Iwo Jima being on a look at the other side because there's a lot of stories you can tell there's no such nuance here. Yeah, and I'm not. Well, I don't want. I don't want to friggin' like. Oh, let's talk about like the Nazis. Not fuck that. But like, well, I think and- seeing different angles and things like that. And I think if more movies do that, there's more. There's things you can tell in these wars, but a lot of them don't. Take well, and perspectives. Well, and that's that's the hardest part with World War One because like World War One, you gotta understand that like I haven't even seen. Um, 1917 and i can already tell you that whatever battle they chose was nowhere near the correct battle because world war one was a lot of sitting in trenches and dying of disease it's not really about a battle it's about like a little tiny mission but um there's no way they did that mission you guys want to keep moving along uh, yeah i could go on war movies forever right yeah no i will just we'll go through these nominees real quick i know ray you haven't seen a lot of them um but um Ford v Ferrari, none of us have seen. We don't give a shit. We'll we'll save a Joker discussion for another day. I'm just exhausted. I don't even want to touch that right now. That's probably the best idea, yeah. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did you guys see that? Boy, did I see it. I saw it three <laughs> times. Did you? Really? I, I loved it. Movie. It's like, it's probably my number like four Tarantino. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe see, even three. I had... I had the opposite experience with it that I had with 1917. When I saw it, I was like, that was pretty good Tarantino. And then I saw it for a second time, and I was like, you know what? That fucking rocked. Yeah. 
it, it I, and you know what the thing is um and let me put on my glasses and adjust them real quick <clears throat> it's kind of an important film right now huh because it's so much about how people consumed media a long time ago huh and it's once upon a time in hollywood it's almost like it's almost like telling like a bedtime story about the way things used to be and it's like we are right at the end of like we don't even know if movie theaters are going to exist in the same way within the next decade you know it, it it's like people all watched the same things they listened to the same things back then everybody was kind of on the same line right huh. okay and it's kind of just about that and how that's the way things were and it's 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 to me it felt like tarantino writing uh, like a little a little goodbye to the way things used to be because isn't well, he only planning on making like one more movie after this he said he wants to do 10 and this is nine yeah well and one thing also i think i think i you're 100 correct about the fact that like this felt like the swan song almost of the of the contemporary american cinema yeah. But it also kind of shows I, I what you were talking about is how how media is consumed, where it almost mirrors it. Because, you know, you have a lot of people nowadays complaining about the seemingly um, um, omnipresence of sup- the superhero genre. Um, yeah. And yet, once upon a time. Say. Hmm? Yep. I know what you're going to say. Uh, and I agree once upon a time in Hollywood addresses the fact that the Western was. Yeah infinitely yep. more like the western captured like literally captured basically every human being in america there's always something and like no matter there's how big than that yeah like super, you know superheroes are big right now for sure but like and, and that's why they're they're making so many is because when you make a good one when you make a an aquaman when you make a um a, I was going to say Captain Marvel, but I'm not crazy about it. Um, but you make you make anything the Marvel movies make, anything Marvel makes, or you make like an Aquaman, or you make a Deadpool. You make something that 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 resonates with fans, but also gets people who may not be fans in a certain way. There's a reason why it's it's not just because the it's like not just the costumes, it's not because they're familiars. There's there's certain ones are power fantasies, or in the case of Aquaman, you can tell this amazing story that you couldn't with, couldn't with a different character, and it's interesting. That's why it's westerns also like they capture people's imaginations. Like oh, it was a it was a bygone era of heroes and things like that. So the reason why they make a lot of them is because they they resonate with people. Sure, that ends up well, being, making a lot of money, but there's a little more to it than that. And that's the thing too is that like we're watching this movie. It takes place what year? What year was this? Like late? When were the Manson murders? That was like what the late sixties. Sounds about right. Like we're watching this movie fifty years after it takes place, right? Mm -hmm. And then in the movie, they're looking at a time before, you know, it even takes place, and they're being precious about that. So it's very like it's generational, looking at how movies and pop culture change, and how people are always nostalgic about the time that came before it and it's going to happen with this current period that we're in now just wait well that's the thing that's interesting because one thing i'm curious about uh and um a youtuber named infernaut does a much better piece than i will eloquate here but slightly paraphrasing i am curious if we will get a because i don't think 
I personally don't think superhero movies were as flawed as the serialized Western was um, in terms of like its presentation, what it was. Um, But I am curious because we've had a few attempts, Joker and Logan being the notable two of the sort of anti superhero movie. Yeah. Um, But it, it, and that's sort of the natural development because those were, you know, sort of uh westerns that started happening towards the end like the clint eastwood era yeah like, like um, unforgiven and things like that exactly yeah that's kind Good of bit. when that's when the genre kind of starts to fade away is when but, yeah well but the question i'm wondering is because uh the western didn't fade away the, the western got shot dead <laughs> by a man named mel brooks oh, oh my gosh. gosh like the the, the infernaut you um YouTube video I was referencing, he basically posited a thesis, and you can look at it that like there were no westerns made after Blazing Saddles, which is Blazing. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. What's going to happen to the superhero movie though? It probably would have happened like after Deadpool. Or yeah, I was about to say that. Like, if that's that's the case, because like Blazing Saddles was in a time where Mel Brooks, like he did with Star Wars, was able to, like, which was crazy considering it came out like what a year after. But anyway, um, like Blazing Saddles he was in a position where he could look back on everything that came before it and kind of take the piss out of it. And that's, I think is interesting with Deadpool and with Logan and to a certain extent Joker, how we're in, they were in this position to kind of look back on superhero movies and with look with, with uh, Deadpool was more about putting like a lampshade on them and like poking fun at them being very deliberate, like in Deadpool too, about making fun of a, the, the DC universe and things like that. But even Logan, to a certain extent, uh, talking about how it's you looking at, at these characters' lives and how, you know, maybe they don't always have happy endings. These are rough characters. If you do, if these characters don't have like a floating timeline where they can constantly reboot their own existence, they're going to end up broken, miserable people because they're just constantly stuck in this ending cycle of fighting but I, what i think is cool about logan though is even though it does take kind of a, not necessarily a cynical but like an analytical look at that it still is able to tell a story of heroism and hope just in a different way than something like endgame would yeah. well and so i fully agree with those statements firstly no. but i think to compare blazing Saddles to deadpool Although they both are jokey and make fun of the property they're working in, I don't think he's giving full credit to Blazing Saddles because Blazing Saddles is less a, a jokey thing on the Western and more a holistic, a holistic dismantling of the Western. Because like it, ta- I, I've never seen it, so I really you've I, never seen Blazing I've Saddles. Never seen it. No. Nope. Oh my gosh. So the whole thing is because part of the reason why I don't think a Blazing Saddles would ever happen to superhero movies is because superhero movies are pretty varied. You have period pieces like Captain America. I was just you, about to say that. Yeah, you, I don't think have, that there I don't think there's enough of a, a singular formula to really do it in the same way. Yeah, you have like dramas, you have like other one, thrillers. So you have all these different ones whereas the western was very cookie cutter. Like, yeah, yeah. You had seen one, you see them all. And so because they were so so absolutely one-dimensional Blazing Saddles literally tackled every dimension of it and ripped it to pieces so thoroughly that there's no <laughs> way another Western could ever be created. Yeah, see, that's a really cool. I never, I never really thought about that about like the superhero thing 
Uh, and I think it kind of, it's kind of for, as somebody who's really into comics, who's been following comics for decades, who loves superhero movies, I think it kind of sells them short when people say, oh, you know, we're, we're getting flooded with superhero films. Like, yeah, only because it's characters with super abilities. Compare Logan to something like Shazam, and they're completely different they're not they're, yeah. they're completely different genres in tone in writing in the way they're filmed they're completely different stories they just happen to both be from comic books and we yeah. can we can maybe get back to the oscars but i would sure. save this logan thought for when we decide eventually to talk about joker because yeah. i for one am a believer that a lot of the acclaim joker received should have been given to logan first oh absolutely yeah, yeah. The Logan, it, it was really strange when Logan came out. It felt like people loved it for about a week, and then you never heard about it again. Which is weird, because like I watched it, I watched it like a week ago, and I still had the exact same, oh, just the, it, it's not even just the fact that I watched this series from when I was a kid, seeing Hugh Jackman as his character and having this great send-off. It's just, it's, it's it, such, it's such, it's such a powerful story about these dealing with these tropes, like I said earlier, and just how it just can affect a character and affect a person. It just goes to show you how easily these Academy voters are fooled when all you have to do is dress your movie up with an aesthetic and they go, Oh, and I like Joker. I like Joker a lot. Yeah. Because I think, I think Logan had that aesthetic. Like, even though I love, and I'm gonna it, use the word, even though I love, what's really up? no, no, like even though I love um, the Wolverine, I feel like that had a problem where it had that aesthetic problem. Like I feel like he, uh, what's his name, James Mangold, like wanted to do a certain movie, and they didn't let him do it, and then he finally got to do it. Logan because Logan doesn't have a, any weird CGI moments. It doesn't have him fighting robots or anything like that. It's it's a very ground. The biggest action sequence is that one in the beginning. And most of all that stuff is practical in-camera work and stunts. Good movie. Well, the greatest practical effect, of, or the greatest CG that occurs in that is actually uh, Clone Logan. No, the greatest CG is in X-Men Origins Wolverine when he looks at his claws in the fucking mirror. That's true. Okay. That's true. St. Connor right now, when, when New Mutants comes out in 47 years, we're going to have to talk about the X-Men movies. Oh, God. Um, who saw The Irishman? I did. I what? yeah, I did not. Chris, did you? Yes. Are you still watching it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I ripped that band-aid off, dude. I watched I watched it on Thanksgiving with oh, a God. belly full of, with a belly full of turkey. And <laughs> I I would like to blame the tryptophan on the fact that I almost fell asleep. But not for me. No, that movie, it, it, you know, to give credit, as we brought up earlier about Quentin Tarantino making his 10th movie and possibly calling it, I'm not going to say that Scorsese maybe should have done that because he has had some quality movies recently. Of course. Um, but I think his Scorsese's gang drama, I think is, it, it is tired. It wants to well, be done. And I'm glad that you mentioned it in the same sentence as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because I, I get they're kind of similar in what they're going for. Like, I feel like Scorsese is also kind of looking over his filmography and being like, 
he's sort of looking at the movies that he's made from a different perspective almost from a more like thoughtful perspective like it's a gangster movie where the gangsters kind of get what they deserve but not in like a bracket 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 way you know it's like they have to live with the things that they've done wrong and i don't know is that a spoiler no Uh, not really spoiler alert like heads heads up guys in any of these discussions don't worry about like giving faint hints towards what happens i don't i don't mind i don't get really hung up on spoilers so if you guys we don't have to i just you know I, I feel like everybody involved with this movie has made this movie a hundred times before. And right. Done it so much better. And it just, I, I just, it's so much to commit to. And it truly feels like trying to capture fire again. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, which is like you're not going to like, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Just... And it's weird because like, I, I've watched uh, Scorsese a bit of his filmography here and there. Um, like I saw Departed long before I saw like Raging Bull and things like that. But it's like I look at something like The Departed, and I I've, I fucking love The Departed so much. I watched it again a couple weeks ago with uh, our brother Alex, and I like that because that that to me seems like that's not that's not something meta or anything, but how it's it takes the whole the whole it is a little bit yeah, but it takes the whole crime thing and it makes it super duper modern yeah that came out like 15 years ago so it's not super modern but yeah. it modernized it with uh with current uh ways of dealing with crime and organized crime and how like the fbi and everything fights it and things like that and how you still have these old-timey old-timey gang problems that have that are now in dealing with uh, modern things like how like cell phones and things like that. That's that's I know that's a really basic way to look at the departed, but it, it, that's that stuff's not like a theme in it. It's there, but it's still telling an interesting story that modernizes the sort of like the gangster film in a way. Yeah, there's none of that here. Yeah, no. Yeah, what, this, what one is, just, this one just feels like it's trying to be good, fellas. Oh geez. Yeah, it 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 feels more like it's trying to be Scorsese movies than Joker did, and you know, it's it's just been done by these same people, and it's been done much better. What time period does the Irishman take place in? It jumps. What is it? I mean, yeah, I mean, it jumps around, tense the unnecessary de aging. So does like it's does it start? Like decades ago, and then eventually make its way back up to no, modern day. It, it's kind of non-linear. It kinda, okay, it jumps around. No, I mean like like when he's actually finding like old man. Uh, uh, what's his face? Is he actually? Is it not like modern days, or is it like in the eighties or seventies? Oh, um, that's a good question. I don't. They don't really put a time frame on it, but like you never, you know, it is. I would like, assume so because it's kind. Of, they, you know, it's. Robert De Niro just kind of as he use a cell phone at any point. Does he use a cell phone at any point? I mean, he's like, <laughs> listen, you're bad. trying to you're trying to ask me to remember something that happened after like five hours. Of... Yeah, I'm just Joe Pesci, to get... Robert De Niro, not being good fellows. But and... yeah, well, uh, I'll never watch that again. Not for me. <laughs> I'm glad a lot of people are liking it though, and I'm glad that it's. It's it's boosting Netflix's reputation. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of wish that would have happened with stuff like Ockjaw and things like that. But whatever. Corporate yeah. corporate Netflix finally on the rise. And, <laughs> Underdog and Netflix. They finally have something to compete with Cloverfield Paradox. Jesus. 
<laughs> um, did uh, Chris? Did you see Little Women? Little Women. Little Women a lot, but no, I did not see the new movie. <laughs> I actually didn't even know it came out. It's great. It's it's super modern without being tryhard. It oh, so it, it is set in the modern. No, it it just has like a very modern feel to it, very modern energy, um, for a period piece. Uh, all the performances are really good. I think that Greta Gerwig's really kind of starting to find her own voice. What was she, what did she direct before this? Just Lady Bird. Oh my God! Did you ever see Lady Bird? Yeah. Did you not like I it? Didn't. It was fine. Okay, good. Okay, then. Yeah, because well, we... I didn't really get this. I didn't feel like there was like a director behind it. Okay, and it's so annoying because like she got the best director nomination for that and didn't get it for this, and it's like, see, that's just they on they bullshit. I always wonder how they how they pick best director. Is it like the director that has the most prominent voice in a film? I mean, well, no, let's just, you just, you can just feel that there's a director there. Yeah. Like a movie we will be talking about in a little bit. Like you just really get the sense that there was a singular voice behind there trying and to you know, this movie. And you know, if that direct, if that voice happens to be loud and preferably driven by a white man, that would often help it out very well. Pref- you know. Preferably. Mm-hmm. Like, like when when you watch something like a like something by uh, Edgar Wright or you watch something by Tarantino or something even by Nolan, it's like there's there's it, there's editing things that he's overlooked and 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 like uh, cinematography things that he's overlooked and you can pinpoint it their style and things like that. That's why I, I think it's interesting when they give a director to directors and I can't necessarily pick up a a style so easily from or or something like um oh who's the guy that directed robocop and uh and starship troopers oh, uh, paul verhoeven oh my god it's someone like him like something very yeah. obvious like even though that's more that's also a thing too where a director's voice i always wonder how it factors in because something like a verhoeven film a lot of the tone comes from the script too where how they have all these little vignettes that help flesh out the world and the editing that goes into that and i just think it's it's always i always thought that was interesting how they managed to pick best director like that yeah well the 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 picking i I mean if we're gonna talk about how they actually pick their nominees i mean it's all just a fucking campaign they count how many they count how many feet are shown in a movie and then give the award to tarantino (laughs) well he's gonna win every time jeez yeah. I think okay, we'll get it in this in a minute, but uh we'll go over the rest really, really quick. Jojo Rabbit, Chris, you saw it, right? No, I didn't. That was like the one I missed. Yeah. I really oh, didn't upset it. of it. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking good. So fucking I know. Good. I'd really love um, to be able to speak on that. Marriage story, Chris, did you see it? I did see that. Yeah. So good. I mean it's good. Like I think it's one of the best scripts of the year. Oh wow. And that's kind of where I, I would leave it. Are either of them nominated for best actor? Yeah, they both are. Both of them. Good, okay. Because Scarlet, what is it? What is it Scarlet, about exactly? What? It's it's about a divorce. Oh, okay. It's 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 about um, there. 
she's an actress, like a has-been actress, kind of, and he's a a director, like a stage director, and it's okay. just about the divorce, but it's kind of more about like the legal aspects of it and how fucked up it is. Oh wow, okay, that's not ex- at all what I imagine that being about. That sounds really yeah. interesting. No, it's it's different than you'd expect it to be. Because um, I thought it was just like a straight up like drama about their marriage. No, it's about their divorce. I mean, basically. But it's really good. Scarlet's great in it. It's kind of an obvious great. She's better in Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, she's on a roll this year, which yeah, is good. Yeah, she really, she had a great year. Which is great. great fucking year. I'm so happy, I think, in the past couple of years that people have really been able to see, uh, the small digression, like being able to see Scarlett Johansson as a really good actress. The first time I really took notice of that was in her, when it was yeah. just her voice and the warmth that she has in her voice and how she's playing a character that you can fall in love with. The first time I ever watched a movie where I was able to like fall in love with the character was in 500 days of summer. And of course that goes to, I have a huge crush on Zoe Deschanel, but that was the first time I felt they just the, the performance and the writing and then um, Mark Webb's great directing. And then her, her chemistry with Joseph Gordon-Levitt making a character that you can that you can understand why this character would go through all these things for but then seeing her the film her and how she's able to create this character that you really get attached to and you understand why joaquin phoenix falls in love with her even though it's just her voice it's just the way she emotes it's uh her 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 inflections and it's the writing and i just thought that was so incredible and now her having all these roles now that she's kind of free of uh of the marvel movies in a way I think it's really cool because she is uh, just a alert for Avengers Endgame. Well, most of them are free of these films now, regardless of what happens to them. Luckily, we, we won't be seeing Black Widow again anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did, uh, yeah. No, Scarlett's been picking a lot of really cool projects. She's been yeah. doing a lot of real like off kilter stuff, and yeah, yeah, it's been good, good, good to see it. It's also um, cool seeing Adam Driver too get get recognition after the Star Wars movies. I remember yeah. I, the first time. The first time I ever saw him was in. <laughs> no, they, nice hopefully for... it's not. Must have been nice for him what? to not have to carry marriage story like he had to carry that entire trilogy. Jeez. <laughs> the force helps with that kind of thing. But I remember the first time I saw Adam Driver was the first thing I saw him in was Girls. I'm pretty sure that was like the first big thing he was in, maybe, and then he got movie roles. And I because he he plays such a weird character in Girls. He's kind of like a schlummy uh, like nerd guy. Like they're all schlummy people in different ways, but uh, he's like the main love interest. And I was expecting like, oh, you know, he's, he's a weird looking dude with a dopey face. Who's always got his shirt off and always working on art, but he's, he was such a, he was such a captivating guy to watch one because he's got that Benedict Cumberbatch face where it's like, is he handsome? Yes. But he's also just so peculiar looking. Um, he just has a presence and he's really engaging and he's fun to watch and he's good with strong emotions. He's good at being like really bold, but he's also good with the subtle stuff and he was just fun to watch in girls. And so I remember when they announced him being in the Star Wars, I'm like, this is an interesting cast because he doesn't look like somebody who'd be in a Star Wars movie. He's a good actor. He's great. He's very, very watchable. He's, yeah. He's, he's very, feels very comfortable on screen. Mm. Did I, did you guys see Logan Lucky? No, I wanted to though. Oh, dude, he was awesome. I know. Logan Lucky, Black Klansman too. He's great. Oh yeah, Francis Ha. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I didn't. 
same director as Marriage Story. Mm. Um, he's in that with Greta Gerwig. She plays the main character. Oh, um, the director of Little Women. She's in that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. They're a couple. Oh. Oh, in real life. Um, yeah. Cool. Not Adam Driver, the director of Marriage Story, and. Greta oh. Story. Okay. Okay. Slightly um, less cool, but still cool. So. We uh, will have one more discussion real quick before we move into the quote-unquote main topic. Um, we all saw Parasite. Thumbs up? Mm-hmm. Two okay. thumbs way up. Oh, my God. I'm I... glad we all saw it. Okay, cool. Okay, first of all, let's go back a little bit. Um, And I feel so – such like a goddamn xenophobe not knowing what the director's name is. Um, Bong Joon-ho. Thank you. Um. It's two of your favorite things, Ramon. Actually, do you, do you like the month of June? Do you like the month of June? I can't hear you. Nope. No. Hold on. Let me Wow, maybe it's almost... Oh, wow. There you are. Damn, my joke lost its steam. Okay, sorry. Bong, bong June what? <laughs> my joke totally lost all of its steam i was gonna say I, I i put it together already at the moment you said it i just couldn't hear you <laughs> well well mr one audience member because there's no way we've kept both of you enthralled the joke there is bong like weed hose <laughs> like women and june was the connecting piece that he was trying to wrap that whole package in. damn chris thanks so much man i i appreciate it now this joke is very funny i'm having an inner it's just an inner, like, pee myself, cry myself Chris, to death. Chris, you perverted my joke. I was going to appeal to Ramon's garden, gardening sensibilities. Uh, and bong being the noise that when you hit a gong. A, a bouncy ball makes. Like All right. Playing so with, when he's playing with orphans. So for that last one guy, this is also a meta joke because now we've established that there was a perverted line that those words could have and also a safer one. It's so metaphorical. But anyway, okay, so getting, getting back to, 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 to uh, drugs month whore. Um, oh, I feel really bad. Cut that out. Um, uh, the first thing that he directed, like that really got big in America, would it be the host? Like, I don't really know what he did before that. I'd, I'd personally say the one that I feel like really got because like I was yeah, aware the host, of the host. The host was pretty. It was pretty cold. Yeah, yeah. Was, I'd say it was Snowpiercer. Yeah, yeah it was Snowpiercer. Because like that was that was one of those that that was one of those like Netflix pushers where it's like holy yeah. shit, have you seen Snowpiercer? No, I haven't. Well, it's on Netflix. You need to watch it right now. It's fucking incredible. And it is fucking incredible. Snowpiercer is one of those movies, like, even though it's so dismal and miserable and hopeless and violent, it's, it's, uh, set design. Talk about Parasite. I'm sorry. I'm just going back and talking about like his filmography. My bad. No, I, cause I had no idea what to expect because you've got three movies that are very different from each other in ways, but so I didn't know what to expect coming. You uh, have to Parasite. go blind. You have yeah. to go blind. Because it it wasn't really what I imagined it being at all. Because you're not really sure what to imagine. Like that that's an incredible stressor on like somebody making a trailer like that. How yeah. do you advertise for something like that? It's so great because I feel like each act so perfectly serves its purpose. Yeah, within the structure of the movie, 
Like it goes from being one thing to a completely different thing to a completely different thing. And it's not done in a way where it's like, look how smart and clever I am. Says yeah. movie. It's like, no, it, it totally serves its purpose. Well, like the first act I was, that was what really threw me off. Like the first act is so funny. I, yeah. it's, I, it's I, like a straight up comedy. That's when I, I really wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to laugh because I knew it was kind of like a, like a, like a thriller. And I wasn't sure, like, is this supposed to be funny? And then I realized, no, like, this is great. Like this little, how they, they have their own little catch me if you can style uh, con going on. And then like, as when, when the son gets there and he's like, oh, well, I know somebody who might be able to teach art. Oh, I might know somebody who can be your driver. And like how they just keep so rolling. What? It's so funny. Yeah. And how they keep rolling it in. And then, how it there's that 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 conversation they have in the house where the tone starts to change it's even before the whole revelation um the tone starts to change and alex pointed out he's like is this a home invasion movie but like a really like slow burn home invasion movie and i thought that for a moment because it kind of is and kind of isn't it's like a reverse home invasion movie yeah i mean there's like there's kind of a lot there's a lot to unpack because like it is a home invasion movie but the home that's being invaded is already invaded in more ways than one yeah and it's like there's all that stuff with like the kids obsessed with indians and there's lots of text there with you know people oh wow okay invaded and yeah you know things like that and it's like who does the the land really belong to and things like that and it works as kind of a a deep metaphorical movie you know kind of a more artsy fartsy thing it works completely just as a great suspense thriller comedy it reminded me like the middle half reminded me you can take it so many different ways it reminded me a lot of uh, just like the stress level you get to in the middle of it of Panic Room, and it had been a while since mm-hmm. I had a movie that was like that stress-inducing in that confined of an area with such basic tools. There's no weird reptile monsters. There's nothing like that. It's just people, and it's it's so stressful. Also, yeah. I'll throw out spoilers real quick too. Spoilers. Yep. I guess if we're going to move forward anymore, sure. we'll just say spoilers. Yeah, absolutely. I would hope that anybody listening, uh, both of you guys, if you're, and, and girl, if, if you're listening, um, yeah, just spoilers. Because, um, yeah, there there's definitely a moment where things shift. And I love the idea of the movie taking place in, like, these levels. Hmm. Because their house is so shitty. They live underground. They're, huh. they're they're so low that their toilet is above them. That, it's, like, yeah. it's higher than they are. And then they move to this house, which has this basement, which is occupied by people, you know, the the I don't want to just use the words rich and poor people, but you know, if we want to be that basic with it, we can. Well, there's like like with 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 the people that are in with the with the one uh the the maid and her husband. Uh, I like she's not like poor she's just like oh like the the help she's like the the, the worker that yeah underneath them well they they say that they were like you know they were in debt really bad and they're still in debt and, oh right yeah yeah you know, so that they're probably wouldn't be doing very good even if they were out but sure 
yeah, the 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 symbolism of it works really well. I love yeah. how the part families having that nice romantic night watching the rain fall with their kid in the teepee that their house is being destroyed by that was a part that really stuck out like how they look at it as this quaint cute little thing and for the for the the family like the 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 whole family it ruined their lives just destroys it something so simple that we would even take for granted ruined their lives i love that shot of um the daughter on the toilet it's just spewing sewage and she just lights the cigarette yeah just trying to cope just yeah yeah and like you were saying like like the artsy fartsy thing how you can look at it from all like the really interesting symbolism and the allegories and things get you can you can watch it like that too if you have like your higher brain functions on but it also just works as just it because as like a movie i don't want to say like a crowd pleaser but it's also just if you if you don't look for a lot of symbolism in movies and things like that you can still enjoy it because like the first in in horror movies and or thrillers there's always that problem of the first 20 minutes you got the setup you got the interesting characters nothing really scary is happening nothing intense the stakes aren't raised but what really works for this is how the, the humor is really good and the family is all really interesting and their chemistry is all really good and it's just it's fun having them seen them interact and how they come up with all the schemes in order to get into the family and start working for them. Like that's really interesting. And then the scary shit happens and then it gets crazy. And that to me, you brought up the fact that you mentioned that this was one of the most stress inducing um, movies that you've seen in a while. I would argue that it's because the front half is so pleasant and so yeah. fun that yeah. then like, like, it makes you because like that's the problem with the horror movies is when you start off in like this neutral kind of oh look here's the girl who probably dies because she's too pretty here's the guy who probably will walk away and save the whole day there's the token minority who will die <laughs> like, you, know, you see all of those pieces and it's all just so bland that when stuff starts happening you're like all right thank god um yeah yeah whereas in, like, in parasite it's like you're having a great time <laughs> until the exact moment you're not yeah and even and it then, take, like it, yeah. takes, it takes such drastic shifts like it's a total just like <clears throat> turn to the right yeah, left. it feels like a different movie yeah and it just yeah like, you have no idea where things are gonna go because i kind of thought they were gonna keep that tone through the whole movie of this kind of uh not even like a black comedy just like a straight up comedy about these care these of uh, this family trying to trying to connive their way into all working for this family um I thought they were going to keep that tone throughout in a way. And it was just kind of going to get kind of like, Oh, like now things got to get more grisly. We got to get more desperate. Like when they run into the basement and they find uh, the maid's husband down there, I thought like, Oh, now they're going to have, they have like a Mexican standoff and blackmail that they're going to have to work with through the rest of the film. But no, no, that, that, that doesn't happen. That's like, it's such a clever, like, like, uh, like we're like a, the de- it's like the detonator to the bomb just like yeah. sending, the, sending the video it's so funny and like it's 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 so clever the way that the movie for the first hour or so you know it's shot i mean it's filmed beautifully but like it's shot pretty standard right yeah and then as soon as it does that tone shift you get that long it, it follows them down into the basement and you're like oh well this is kind of a different shot than we've had before and it's like 
so perfectly letting you know, hey, things are gonna get a little different now. It's a shot of that. It's a shot of of that when they move the 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 the, uh, the shelf and you see that the stairway and it's lit with those green fluorescent lights. And I told Alex, there's only a handful of things those can indicate. Either we're about to enter like the Matrix movies, or <laughs> or it's hostile. And that's when you, when it changes because it's so. It's like a signifier. That whole the whole staircase in general is very scary because whenever they emerge from it, you see nothing it's black, and it's then just black. a form comes out of it. There's that shot where the mom, uh, the uh, the mom um, of the, uh, the house, she's talking about when her kid saw the one guy come out oh. of the stairs and his head just pops up. Like so scary. It's one of the, but it was such an interesting moment because like it was kind of like kind of funny, but it was also like imagine being a kid seeing that that's I, none, none of us like all all like the fears that we had as kids like oh man what happens if chucky comes out of the basement none of us have actually lived through that and actually think that a kid had to live through that is so goddamn horrifying yeah it's great so with uh us gushing over that what would be your choice for the oscar for i the i i I would love to see Parasite win. Yeah. Well, so... no, I was going to follow up with which one's going to win. But let me say, which one, what's your pick? I, I would love to see Parasite win. I mean, I think it's just the best made movie of the year, honestly. Yeah. Okay. But I think it's too much of a stretch. Yeah, no. I'm firmly a Parasite with my like runner-up probably being, I don't know, I just had such a great time in uh, Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Um, that like it would probably be my runner up. I would uh, love that one, but I think it, I think that has more of a chance than Parasite does. I think Parasite's going to take home the best foreign film. Yeah, that's that's nominated for that's nominated for foreign best foreign film and best picture. Yeah, that's why I feel like they're going to try to pull a sly one. Okay, yeah, they're going to throw it a bone. Yeah, well, and I think that. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has a good chance because I feel like, you know, Tarantino's never won Best Picture and they love movies about Hollywood. Yep. I was about to say that. So, I think there's a good chance. I think 1917's going to win, though. Okay, I think I fully agree. I think it's It's 1917. It's just enough of a dad movie to win. (laughs) What won Best Picture last year? Green Book. Okay. Case in point. Yeah. It's very similar in, in execution, I would say. To Green Book, just so hit the note, schmaltzy and safe. Yeah. yeah. Well, the year um, before that was that um Moonlight before the water. Oh shit! My bad. Okay. Wait, what was yeah, before? Shape, Sorry. Shape of Water. Oh yeah. Well, that was dank though. Yeah. Well, that that was a surprise. That was a huge surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Something so weird. No, no, so special effects driven. Yeah, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll uh, be smart this year and say, let's give it to a movie that deserves it. I mean, it's, especially if they want to be like, you know, they want to be woke. <laughs> why not give it? Why not give it to a movie from another country? Yeah. Well, and that's always like that to me is always so like that's why like honestly I think the whole Oscars thing is so tired at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think it should. I think it it eventually will probably uh, eventually reach a point where like it will be community voted. Um, 
instead of an individual little class of people. Yeah. Because, like, you have, like, the video game awards, um, which is, like, a 100% fully community-driven um, voting award. It's, like, one of the few. Mm-hmm. And it's largely because video games, you know, are sort of, like, s- hilariously still kind of niche, which <laughs> they aren't, but they are, like, at least to talk about video games is. They're, they're definitely more niche than, like, mainstream movies are. Yeah, than movies <laughs> and music. Yeah. Movies have been around for games have been around. Well, like games, modern. Yeah, I consider like modern video games. Start like you have your Ataris, you have all the nonsense before that. You have Pong, whatever. I consider like like modern gaming when it was accessible to people started with the Famicom slash Nintendo. Like that's when it got like wide appeal. That's when regular people could play because it, it was in their homes, like arcades and things like that. Like with Pac Man, Galaga. That was like the real beginning of it, but that was kind of like you're saying, like a niche thing. You had to go mm-hmm. out, you had to seek out arcades to do that with Nintendo, with Duck Hunt, with Super Mario Brothers. That people could bring it into their homes. If a kid wanted it, they had it there. Then their parents might see it and get interested in it. I think like that's the beginning of like modern games. And that in that form has only been around for 35 or so years compared to film, which has been around for over 100 years. And so, because of that, though, and largely because, like, film sort of, you know, it has reached a critical mass because of its, like, time, that, like, you know, you have, like, your, like, filmmaker's films, like, a film that, like, film people enjoy. And obviously, the same thing applies to video games. But I think because of the fact that video games, like, video games are always made for the masses, and it's always sort of trying to appeal to the masses, which makes sense that then it's award show would be like sure you have a higher committee who picks what are going to be in each category so like yeah. they'll pick like the game of the years but then you the the community votes on which one they think is game of the year and i think that's a, in, in my opinion that's an eventuality for the oscars because i don't think it will be for the oscars necessarily because i think that yeah, that point it become, never happen with the i think it becomes something else at that point i think there might be room for like another film institute to maybe get as much clout as the oscars doing that because like i'm glad you pointed that thing out where where, where yeah because like i'm glad you mentioned <laughs> that thing, like, having a committee where they're the ones that pick the films that are nominated and then a, then a bigger community select it but at the same time at that point like if you if it put a, if it was put to a popular vote what film of all these would win best picture of all the nine it's going to be Joker because that was the most successful film. And then again, you have a problem with, is that the best film of the year? Definitely not. It's, it's the movie that everybody saw and people connected to. That's a popular character. Um, but it's definitely not the best picture of the year. You're, you're never going to be able to find a, a mass balance with something as like, as, as widely consumed as movies. You're never going to have a balance between, you know, something popular and then, you know, something that's whatever, like, quote unquote, you know, like uh, artisan or something like that. You and know, you're, you're never going to be able to find a balance. And if something well, as abstract as like, what is the best piece of art slash entertainment? Right, right. Well, and so, like, yes, I fully agree with that. And I was, I was delighted. I'm not shooting down your argument, Chris. I'm just, you know. I'm... I, I think, I don't think it's as impossible as, because like, the argument that something else would rise up to me is it firmly because you have like the screen 
writer of the Screen Guild Awards and BAFTA and whatnot. And like those are still cool, but they aren't the Oscars. Yeah. Um, so like the the argument that someone else would pop up ultimately wouldn't matter. But my argument for the Oscars is because like the Oscars falling apart at some point to me makes sense. Like I'm not saying absolutely, you know, absolutely maybe in my lifetime. Like, but like I think it as a whole will break down because no, I think definitely in our like, lifetime, probably in the next like twenty years or something, the Oscars are not going to be as important as they are now. Are they important now? Yeah, yeah, because well, they're so televised. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. Because, like, I, I, I wish me. that people understood that sort of how those movies are picked and stuff so that they don't. Because you have so many people being like, either, well, that one best picture, well, geez, that must be a really great movie. Herbie, Herbie, well, yeah, like, or, like, that one best picture? Are you serious? Like, it's your argument. Just, it's 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 a campaign game. Yeah, and your argument that you know if Joker won Best Picture for that, to me, I think that's a fine outcome if what we assumed to be uh, correct will come to pass with nineteen seventeen winning. Like I'd take Joker over nineteen seventeen every day of the month. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. like I'd I'd still say that that would be superior, and maybe. Maybe it should be a different form. Maybe it shouldn't just be fully open opinion. Maybe, like, the public can sort of register so you'd have the registered people be able to vote. And, like, you know, then you would end up, like, narrowing the field because it would be people who want to vote on films that would be voting. So then, like, you know, you don't just have, like, the random chads who are like, yeah, I saw Joker. Um, <laughs> you know, you'd have, like, actual people who, like, you know – Maybe maybe one of those psychopaths liked 1917 and thought it was like the best movie <laughs> of the year, and then good for them; they can vote for that. Well, also, I think on top of on top of it being something where uh, there's a wider voice that is able to contribute to to what is what is considered uh, what like what gets this award. I think what the Oscars also need to do is reevaluate how they categorize films because they have best animated picture, best foreign film, and best picture. And that's like saying, oh, these foreign films, they're not, yeah, they're films, but they're not films like this. Or especially with animated films, the, I don't, we don't got time to go into this, but fuck the Academy when it comes to animated films for mm-hmm. years, because there's, there's that famous document that got released where they essentially said they're not even going to consider anything that comes from Japan, where one of the members literally referred to anime as Chinese cartoons. Um, Oof. And that's a, that's a problem because I think either they need to reevaluate how they look at all film and consider it film or categorize it. Because I knew they used to have, they used to have another category. I forget what it is, but I'm thinking more along the lines of the way the Golden Globes do it, even though theirs is very, very. Honestly, I hate theirs even more. Well, yeah, but like how they have drama and musical comedy, that's obnoxious too. But I'm saying expand it some way because it's hard. You look at something like how I still look back and I'm amazed the fact that Return of the King won Best Picture. But like you compare something like that, which is about the spectacle and about the adventure to something like um, uh, something like Joker, which even though it is based on a comic book character, it's very much more about characters and about tone and things like that. And it's hard, even though they're both geek properties, it's hard to compare the two because they're both very different films. And I think you should always judge a film 
by how it wants to be judged. And they're asking you to look at them in very different ways. So that's why I think clumping all these movies together from different genres is kind of wrong in a way. I don't necessarily think that. And I don't even necessarily think it's a bad thing to have like a foreign language film or animated film because it, it definitely gives more movies the chance to get recognized. Sure. Absolutely. But I think the problem is, is that nowadays there are so few animated movies coming out that deserve that kind of recognition yeah. that they just clump. I mean, fucking boss baby. Yeah. Like now, nowadays, definitely. It, it's more so there, there was a time where that would have been a great idea. And they yeah. honestly added the category after long after they should have. Well, well I can't I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I was just gonna say I agree with both your statements, but I think there's a merger between the two. So okay. you, Carlos, mentions that the you know I I fully agree that having those awards that allows other films to get acclaim like the foreign films or the animated ones is necessary, so you can allow those other ones to like get an Oscar. But I would argue though, like. Parasite is the rare exception of a foreign film to be able to even be in the running for best picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what I'm talking. That's what I think you were getting at Ray is the fact that like, I don't think because it's an animated film, it should be excluded from best picture. Yeah. And, and there are occasions where it's not exactly. And, and, and you know, but those are like so rare now granted, pretty you, rare, but there's, yeah. brought up- there's so many animated movies that have come out. And like for anybody who doesn't know, they didn't have best animated picture until Shrek came out. I can't believe that's, it. That's what I'm saying. I can't yeah. believe it's that recent. Like, so you you have years like movies like Aladdin and movies like um um trying to think of another great Disney Disney's uh, Golden Age basically. Yeah, like all of Disney's Golden Age. Like, granted, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame was nominated, but like I think like Shrek's a great movie. I think Shrek's great. I think Shrek Two is better than Shrek One, and I think something like Inside Out is monumentally better than a lot of the uh, animated movies that won best animated movie. And that, of course, like that didn't get a nod for best picture. Did up get nominated for best picture? It did. Okay. And I, I kind of like inside out more than up. Like I love up. Don't get me wrong, but inside out, I think is more, it, the, there's more adult things going on in inside out, even though it's masked in the guise of colorful characters and things like that. Did you guys know that the Lego movie was not nominated for Best Animated Picture? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did know that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. No, it's still. Listen, dude. Like that's, like, cause you like that's part of. Other was tangled. Oh my god, that's upsetting. Was Frozen? (laughs) Well, Frozen won. Oh yeah, dude. Fuck those guys. All right, Tangled a way better movie than Frozen. No questions. Yeah. Um, like I love Frozen. I'm not a, on the hate wagon. Of Frozen, no, not at all. Like Tangled's dank. Um, <laughs> Tangled is wonderful, but but like that's a perfectly like that's part of the reason why like what you were bringing up with like foreign films, like how like they're always regulated to the size. Because ultimately, Best Picture, and I'm just gonna say it plainly, is most often Best American Made Picture. Yeah, like like 100 percent, and um, like. I get it. This is like an American institution. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, Hollywood, it's 
I they usually like movies that are about Hollywood. And like, you know, I get it. Uh, yeah, like I don't I don't think I don't think it's I don't think it's it's unreasonable to for them to like mainly have their focus in films. They get dis- distribution in America. They're not going to journey over to uh, you know, uh, uh, Korea every time and be like, well, we got to see what's 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 kicking here to make sure that we cover all of the bases. Get some BTS stands up in here, boys. Some what? Oh. (laughs) Yep. But you know what? You know what? Franchise will never have a movie nominated for Best Picture. Hmm. The DC Extended Universe. There's the segue. (laughs) Damn, I forgot we were. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Man, we spent so much time gushing about Parasite. I, I know. I'm, I'm trying to think of a way we could talk about this in like 20 minutes. Well, oh so, boy. And we can, we, we can part hand. one and part two this. Well, yeah, oh. we, we can because. That might be a great idea. If we want to come back after we see Birds of Prey, are you guys planning on seeing Birds of Prey over the weekend? I would like to. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go. Maybe I'll even go tomorrow night. I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to just talk about the the first three or the first two? Let's. We might as well talk about the first three because Justice League is going to need a conversation. So itself. that's going to be that's Man of Steel, BVS, and that Suicide other one. Squad. Jesus yeah, Christ! No, Suicide Squad would be a good one to end on because I guess this is like a sequel to it. And because Suicide Squad is <laughs> Suicide Squad is the best movie ever. And I am insulted that both of you guys are not referring to it by its full name. I'm sorry. Oscar nominee, Suicide Squad. Yeah, what, was, what was it nominated for? Did it win? It yeah. won makeup. Oh, Jesus Or costumes. I, oh, oh, oh. Wait, for makeup Carlos or for costume? Uh, I think it was costume. Okay, it's, we can... It's, no, it's, it's makeup and hairstyling. We can oh, talk to that when we get to it, but what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, Carl's over here saying that the DCEU won't win an Oscar. Man, what is this about? Jesus Christ! Like I see stuff like like other I stand other corrected. Oh, I see like other other weird like not the greatest films that were nominated for that. Like wasn't the series of unfortunate events nominated for like best like hair and makeup? Probably. Yeah, like you look at something like that. Like that's not like the greatest movie. Like it didn't really stay in public conscious. But like that movie has some really great like production design behind it. So, uh, I'm not gonna talk about it. We're gonna save it. Okay, the uh, Man of Steel. Okay. Do you, do, you, do you guys have have we all kind of stayed as like Man of Steel fans throughout the years? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I okay. watch that. I like every couple months. I put it in. I'm like, this well, is pretty okay. Well, okay. so let me like. I think I've been tempered. I still ultimately end up enjoying it. Um, but like, I have become more of a Superman fan in probably the last two to three years. Hell yeah! Then like, because mm-hmm. I always liked him. Um, but these last like three ish years have made me go like, dude, he's like the best. <laughs> um, like he's straight up like one of my favorite superheroes. Yeah, warms my heart. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> Because like, sure. and and you know, the like the only thing that holds me back from like loving Man of Steel, is the fact that like ultimately I am kind of like he's not Superman. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. he's he's very moody Goku, <laughs> <laughs> which is That's fine. If, well, sorry, sorry, he's very moody 
and far more competent Goku. Because love Goku, but he ain't, the, <laughs> he ain't the sharpest, and that's not what he's needed for. He's a blunt force instrument, and that's the problem with Man of Steel Superman is that he has none of the resourcefulness or the compassion that Superman has, and he's just a blunt force instrument, which I guess appealed to a lot of people. Like I know a lot of people who this actually did, in fact, get them into Superman was seeing this movie and seeing like, well, man, he ain't a Boy Scout after all. He can kick some ass. And then they got into like real Superman stuff, like the animated show and Grant Morrison's chef's kiss run on the new 52. I, I think that there's a lot about it that tries a little too hard to differentiate itself from the stuff that came before it. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm also just like 100% convinced that just Zack Snyder is not the pick for making a superhero movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, yeah. I mean, okay, superhero movie. <laughs> no, so like, oh, I'm, I'm boy. citing Chris, Chris, mm-hmm. Chris. What? <laughs> I can smell that can of worms. You just I can smell Watchmen coming from a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> it all listen, guys. All right, it always comes back to Watchmen. Okay. Don't you even? I'm just gonna throw it out. I fucking love Watchmen. I get what you're saying. The thing is, because his Snyder's ideas when it comes you to superheroes, Watchmen, you would have watched the show. Well, I don't have it. Okay, we'll get there. But Snyder is—he's one of those guys where he's an ideas man who can't execute his ideas. Because yeah, I, I think he, he he wants to be smarter. Like, look at 300. 300 is a very bare-bones story. And it's great because it's all about the visuals and the tone that it's setting. And that's a great movie because it's all about that stuff. The problem with, like, Man of Steel and then when you get into BVS is that he wants to do all these ideas. And Man of Steel, he wants to do the idea of, like, this alien god amongst people uh, how people in the quote unquote real world would re- relate to Superman and then crime and justice and everything in BVS. But he doesn't, he doesn't have the writing chops and he doesn't get guys that have the writing chops to do that. Like if he would have gotten Nolan to straight on write that script without his input, it would have been very different, but he didn't. Or anybody else but Chris Goyer. Jesus. Which is, I can't, I still can't believe, I still can't believe Batman Begins turned out the way it did with Goyer on, like, in on it. I mean, I mean, depends on how much Christopher Nolan had input on the script. Rebuttal. I would argue, I agree with those statements on Zack Snyder. I also would argue, given some of his statements in interviews, that he also has a fundamentally flawed mindset walking into superheroes. Yes. That, using, yeah. I, but, hate, I hate digging up Watchmen, um, but I think this is a great example um, in that you look at Rorschach. Like, the whole concept of Rorschach, I don't know if you guys know the or- origin behind, like, the Watchmen as a comic, the Watchmen, Watchmen as a comic, that uh, Moore and Gibbard, that's Gibbard, right? Dave, Dave Gibbons wanted to write, they wanted to use, uh, was it Timely Comics? Yeah, it, something like that. It was characters that DC had before Superman. There was like the Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle 2, um, 
and some other characters I can't remember. Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle Two, obviously becoming like Night Owl and things like that. Oh, the question, the, the question, question, yeah. Uh, the question was the question is essentially he is a journalist in the comics, but he's like into conspiracies. He's very he has very like libertarian ideologies and things like that, and those are things that Snyder really. Uh, latches onto and agrees with because one of the, he's been he he loves like Aaron uh, Iron Iron Rand Iron Rand uh, a lot and so like he took a character Andrew like Ryan see <laughs> see flawed mindset yeah he took <laughs> but he took a character like Rorschach who you talk to Alan Moore the whole thing about Rorschach is that you know a guy that had a traumatic uh, childhood and upbringing like this who chose to do something like this unless it's a miracle like it is with Batman, he might not be the most well-adjusted person. And the whole idea of Rorschach is, yeah, he's useful when it comes to fighting criminals, but as a person, he's a fucking disaster. And I don't think, I don't want to say Snyder didn't get it, but I think he's... No, he didn't. He didn't. He's he's, he's in love with the idea of turning all of this superhero stuff on its head, right? And totally, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, deconstructing it. Yeah. But when he finally gets his hands on actual, like, deconstructionist texts like Watchmen or The Dark Knight Returns, he doesn't get it. Because you have, to, you have to have a point to draw from. And the thing with Watchmen is that is is it's missing the fundamental things like Rorschach being does it like no Rorschach is cool Rorschach is a badass yeah he's a good superhero but he's a bad person and th- that's what he takes on from like Man of Steel it's like oh like oh if this guy had these powers maybe he would be a little a little like rough around the edges and things like that and, like yeah maybe but in order for him to be Superman and not Superman from the Injustice games, he's got to still have that moral core. And they really fucked yeah. it up, of course, with his parents. And with Jonathan Kent. I think they're so benign. And there's, there's, a, there's a conversation he has that was in all the trailers that made everybody uneasy where he tells Clark he should have let all those kids die. And in the trailer, that's bad. In the movie, it could have been interesting if, if Clark was brought up with these conflicting things. Like I like, that's the whole reason why he doesn't want to be Superman from the get go is because he doesn't know where his place is in the world. And then he has Jor-El's morality introduced into him who wants to be a little more, a little more, uh, um, uh, benevolent with his powers and things like that. And that's a moment where he can change, but they don't, since they don't really, these movies they never are give about, him a moment to choose. They well, never, and, because these movies aren't about digging into the characters. They're more about the just the ideas, and ultimately, him not saving the bus, or him saving the bus, ultimately, it feels like a decision that doesn't matter because then he caves in and doesn't save his dad. Like, yeah, to me, the the bus thing feels worthless because of the fact that Superman basically shows that he'll haphazardly follow some moral that, code. There's, there's just, I, I can't wrap my head around. The, the death of Jonathan Kent scene because having him let him die does such a disservice to what the rest of the movie seems to be trying to say. Like mm-hmm. this whole idea of like people on Krypton were born and, you know, they were created to be this, you know, how they're like created to be soldiers or scientists or whatever. And the idea that um, Jor-El and what's his mom's name? Uh, Laura. Laura. Yeah. How they had a baby, and they were like, well, "We're gonna 
you know, we're going to raise him to be whatever he wants to be. And this idea of choice and the idea of the greater good, which Superman should always represent. Who gives a fuck if everybody sees him fly and save his dad? Like, the greater good, the right thing to do was to save him, and I did what needed to be done. Like that. And if if this was a script, all together. If this was like a script where somebody like not just comic writers, but I use them as an example, like somebody like Jeff Johns were to get his hands on, I can think he would do something way different. Like something I always had as a head cannon for that scene is we met him. Oh, he's so fucking cool. Um, but him choosing, even though he couldn't fly, like he has the speed, him choosing to use his powers and save Jonathan and the response being from the small villains being like, Hey, we know you Clark, you're our dude. It's kind of like that scene in Spider-Man two, which is unfair to compare, but it's like a scene in Spider-Man two where all the Smallville people, Pete and, and Lana, they're like, you know what, Clark, we love you. We're going to keep your secret safe, your secret safe with us. And then like, well, I think that would also say a lot about, Clark's character that he had such an influence on people that he, he's not just mighty because of his powers. He's mighty because of his love too. And these people look out for him because of that. Well, and you said unfair to compare the two and I'm like, <laughs> well, you compare, I mean, you compare the best, best superhero movie ever to man of steel. Yeah. I'm like, wow. It turns out when you have a guy who actually enjoys the character, wants <laughs> to do something, he actually makes something good. Like, that's my problem. Like, Zack Snyder, on record, has said the words that, you know, a super a superhero with all that power wouldn't be a good person. Do you think superheroes do their tax returns and whatnot? And then he's like, if you think they do that, you're living in a, in a fairy world. And I'm like, yes, it's the exact same fairy world where superheroes exist. And it's, there's, there's a play, there's a time and a place for that. As much as I hate it, if he wants to do that, do an adaptation of the boys. Don't do an adaptation of Superman. Yeah, exactly. Like you can only change Superman so much. And like, just wrapping back real fast onto the Watchmen thing about him missing the idea of Watchmen. One of the fundamental ways that you can know he missed Watchmen is how cool all the Watchmen look. Oh, exactly. (laughs) Like, Like, if you think that Moore and Gibbons didn't design those spangly, awful, miscolored outfits for the purposes of making them look cool, then you are fundamentally misreading that. They are actively lampooning the concept of putting you on. You lose that entire, like, boy, these guys look really stupid if this was real. Like, you lose that whole. The original Night Owl straight up had the Robin underwear. Well, and he had a gut. You can't see his gut in the movie because it's all like. No, like he's not. Ar- he's not armored. This isn't a Dark Knight one. Yeah. This is this is an Adam West looking Night Owl. I yeah, because the whole say... idea of Watchmen is like they don't have to worry about that kind of thing. Is because they still, even though this is because like Watchmen, uh, Watchmen isn't superheroes in the real world. It's it's a deconstructionist look at how these characters would have to deal with real world it's, uh, things. It's kind of like uh, the new frontier that Darwin Cook did a couple years ago, where it's mm-hmm. not superheroes in the real world, but it's superheroes having to deal with real things. Well, okay. And like, here's the thing you can have, you can have all of that in a Superman movie. And especially in a Superman movie that wants to modernize it as much as this one did, mm-hmm. you can have all that, but man, you know what? if you're not going to have him be just that, that ray of hope, that kind of 
try, it permeates through the whole thing. Like you just missed the point of the character. Yeah, because they they got him. They got him of everything. Yeah, you don't have to have. You don't have to have the Christopher Reeve tone where it's coming with a wink and a smile and everything. You you can still no. have Superman without that. Because like you know what a better put, put Superman him in, put him in a real world. Put him in a dark world. Like put him in maybe not as fucking nine eleven heavy as they made it, but. <laughs> Like, put him in a world where people are paranoid about him and scared. I really, really like the sci-fi element of the movie. Oh, absolutely. Like, some of Krypton's really really cool. Yeah, I really like how it's more of a sci-fi movie than anything else. Like, a real, like... Like, feels more like War of the Worlds at times. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like, you you watch the special features on that. They put so much work into thinking about, like, the whole reason why the ships look like beetles is because their rationale behind that was these are things that they grew instead of just built. Like, that's cool. That's really interesting. It kind of is an evolution, like a more modern, I don't want to say gritty, but like a more modern uh, version of like the crystal things from the Richard Donner movie being like how they, how all the, the their, their technology was grown with these crystals. It's kind of like a really cool uh, 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 evolution of that. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I think that, I don't know. I was going to say for every step forward, it takes it like takes two back but i don't know it kind of seems 50 50 for me yeah, yeah. it definitely it feels like it feels like a one forward one back <laughs> yeah because yeah, kinda... you've got a great cat you've got an incredible cast you got michael love... shannon what no oh, i was gonna I was... say you got sorry chris go ahead i because i'm just gonna throw in a quick one i would still yeah. love to see henry cavill play superman i can't wait i want to see him again so bad as superman i'm sure he'll yeah, play one he... of these days He's because he, I don't think he, he only got to play Superman in a couple minutes in two movies. There's that there's a couple parts in Man of Steel. There's that first part when he's going b- before the uh, the military and he tells yeah. the guy, don't play games with me, general. And I remember like, I think I so actually good. like pointed. I actually pointed at the screen. I'm like, that's Superman. And that whole conversation he has with Lois is very Superman. And then, of course, in Justice League, when he's all like, hey, hey, you guys need help beating up a creep? Like, what, what's up, guys? In more, in in my opinion, more importantly, that one. Although I do love that one, is they're beating up all the stuff, and he's like, "There's a building that needs me." Yeah, like, and then I'm like, "There well, he is! I like, saw him." You know what, boy. Clark? Just like use your fucking head. Like maybe these people wouldn't be scared of you if you just smiled. Like there is were flying around saving people. This I this is a scene. The the the, the DC Earth One graphic novels are hit or miss sometimes. Uh, the first yeah. one, for, the first one for Superman is not that great. The second one is a lot better. But there's this great part in the first one, which is one of those moments where uh, J. Michael Straczynski, say what you will about him, he gets characters in certain elements. And there's this great back and forth that Clark has with his parents when he's making the costume, where he he asks his mom, "Why didn't we make a mask for it?" And she says, "When people see you." they're going to be scared because of all the things you can do. That's why you have to come to them with your head held high and they have to be able to look you in the eyes. And because of that, your mask is going to have to be who you are the rest of the time. And I think there's such a cool idea behind that. It's one of those ideas I think is always there in Superman, but this is really 
spelled out. I don't want to say for stupid people, but for people who have been ingrained in the notion that Superman, oh, how can people not know who he is? Oh, he's a Boy Scout. I think it was an important time to like spell out this concept. And like you were saying, yeah, if Superman went before people and uh, one night with Superman monologue with explaining who he is to people. I think you could handle it very differently. So in that regards, him being in the real world, I don't think he handles it realistically. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think, uh, <laughs> I think killing Zod works. Yeah. I know that's kind of a no. controversial well, thing to and say. I think, but... Cause uh, there's this one um, part. It happened relatively recently in the new 52. Um, it was like towards the end of the new 52 um, where Superman was, um, he was fighting some sort of alien force. It was like this type of gas type thing. And I really liked, I can't even remember. I'll have to research this. When we do our part two, I'll have my homework done on this and who wrote this line. Yo, explain it. I'm, I've read, I've read that front to back. I might know what, 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 what happened. Um, so it's like this pinkish sort of alien monster and it's like causing some chaos and, you know, making some trouble. And Superman delivers, like, some God-tier lines where Superman's like, I see you're confused. I'm here they, to help you. Yeah, that's not new to that is Rebirth, but yeah, I know what you're oh, talking about. Rebirth. Okay. Yes. So, so um, and then he's like, I can help you. You know, yeah. I can solve this. But And then he immediately, though, gives the caveat. And this is where, like, uh, uh, you know, this doesn't work in Man of Steel because this needs a Superman who has, you know, done the rounds. Um. But where Superman immediately turns, he's like, but do not mistake my, my graciousness for weakness. Far yeah, too absolutely. Many before, far I remember, too many I know the exact you issue have. you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I know like, the exact issue you're talking about. And to me, that's like, I think, I think killing Zod makes sense. Like, Zod did put him into, like, a sort of final scenario. Like, sure, it is for only a couple people where, granted, earlier in the, earlier in the movie, probably millions have died. <laughs> but in that final thing you do have it that like superman has to make that decision right there that like yeah i, I think it's less because it's because it's all about choice because and in it, that moment i think i think it's less for the greater good i think in that moment it's less those three people and it's more of he realizes i continue this fight more people are going to die. These three people, they're just the beginning. I've got to do something. And him having to make such a, a, a rough choice has a lot of weight only when you get into the mindset of this guy being Superman. But he, there's no point in this, this movie beforehand where he expresses any sort of reservation about having to use deadly force against people. Yeah. Again, there's things that they needed to elaborate on. Yeah. For sure. But I think as like a man, just like a an exclamation point at the end of that whole sequence, it's like, whoa, okay. Mm. Yeah. I think it works. Yeah, and I mean, in general, Man of Steel did do I I remember vividly in line with you guys going to see Man of Steel at midnight. And I said, and I quote all I want to do is see Superman punch somebody because <laughs> yeah, you know, we had not gotten a good, well done Superman fighting thing. Yeah. Live action. Because and for so, four movies, they couldn't. And then one movie, they just chose not to. Exactly. And so because of that, 
you know, maybe I cursed this whole thing in the, with those words, but I did get exactly what I asked for. Yeah. And if you came in for that, like that stuff is all amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I know it, it, it's, it gets a bit much. Yeah. It, gets it a bit does. Because they're like, they, I don't, it's, 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 it's dumb because it gets to the, the point where what the hell are the two of these guys made of and what are the buildings made of? Because there, there's a point in the in the first season of Supergirl where she gets into a fight with a dude, and yeah, it has a TV budget, but they're still able to like zip around and things like that and cause destruction. But it's not on that level. And when it gets to that point where every punch sends them flying, it's like it's not a fight anymore. It's just destruction, and it's not as yeah. If you want to, if you want to have like a destruction scene, that's one thing. But it's not a fight anymore. I, um, and I, it's it's filmed so lame, you know, it's like they try to do this like faux documentary style photography, but it's like, dude, we fucking know that, you know, it's not maintaining the illusion. Well, and it I falls just into... saw this guy zip around a building like, come on. And I, it falls into a similar problem, hilariously bringing it back to a lot of fights in Dragon Ball Z where <laughs> they are just vanishing and you're seeing afterquakes and like barely actual shots of like hand-to-hand combat like you know it looks fast and it looks impressive because you're like wow look how fast they are they're zipping but then like you actually think back to that fight and you're like nothing fucking happened like but dragon ball z like dragon ball z is is different in in because that's the limitations of of animation and they still dragon ball z they have moments where well like even in dragon ball z though they have moments where like they'll they they establish these characters and they establish like this is my what I want I want to stand in the way of this let's fight. There's still a little more going on in Dragon Ball Z than there is in this movie. Well, um, well, I agree. I agree, but I think I don't know. I think because the animation thing. Uh, listen, dude, Akira came out so long ago. All right, I think I'm a lot of animation. But, yeah, but Dragon Ball Z is a serialized show compared to like a movie. Like, well, you look I, would say that, that, I would say there's a lot less of a limitation on a show that's entirely animated. Oh, well, sure. A live action movie that's trying to blend lots. But of like, CG. I don't want to get off into a, like a like a rant about anime, but anime generally has like smaller budgets than even like American animation, so they have less in between in between frames. That's why during action sequences, a lot of times they will cycle through animation. Well, but then let me retort by saying, like to me. Uh, Frieza doesn't do that. The Frieza fight doesn't do that very much. Like once you yeah. actually watch Dragon Ball Kai, and you know you don't have to sit through like forty episodes until Namek explodes. Um, <laughs> um, um, like the Frieza fight does not have a lot of warping. They actually like draw the fight out, and to me, yeah, right. it it does reach like if you are going to condense a fight into a few episodes. You do need to have like set piece moments in the fight. You need and to see not something a whole lot, And to like bring it back, there's not a whole lot of that in Man of Steel. There's there's the part in Smallville where the they, they fight, actually I think is good. get into a fight. Of course, that gets into the whole problem of Man of Steel backlogs all of its action, and that's like huge. That's not just men. Why aren't they punching anybody? When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? This is—it's a problem that they—that the way 
it's edited in the way the script was constructed that they backlogged all the conflict and where it just becomes monotonous. Yeah. I would think though that I do think the Smallville fight is a better fight than the Zod. Oh, absolutely. It's it's way much more interesting to watch for starters. And and it has like it has like gives and takes because like they're not just like flying at Mach 10 through like a city. Like you see them like punch and he'll like get dragged a few feet back and then he'll have to like jump into him again to like do something again. And then there's the whole safe thing and like like so there were like set piece moments. Like because that's like that to me is something that a lot of like because even Dragon Ball Z learned it towards the end, especially towards like the Majin Buu fight. And then even in Super, they tried to learn it. And I think I do want to see a live action Superman solve the issue of still maintaining like set, like, like pause moments in a fight that yeah. matter. Cause like, you know, if you show me the, you know, any fight that Superman was a part of in any of those live action movies, I'll be like, wow, that's pretty neat. But if you throw like any, you, you put that one up against any daredevil fight scene. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's not even like we're this is this is you know freaking tiny tykes playground for baseball players going up against like the freaking greatest baseball team on the planet it's like that's not even a fight because and and i would argue it's largely because you're sort of given this beautiful canvas of cg and we can make this thing move really fast and make it look really cool and then you just don't apply it well it it was just it was a very conscious choice he wanted mm-hmm. to see them you know, he he thought that showing them get whacked across the city would kind of like um, you know demonstrate their power and stuff. But I mean, it just it becomes pretty meaningless eventually. Well, it, like it, not it to ends give up away, not them to... seem like they have no weight. It kind of mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Like not to give it away, but honestly, like like you like you guys mentioned about how since they were given almost limitless abilities. A movie with a slightly lesser budget and way better Superman story. Not to give away things, but like you look at the ending fight in Shazam, they're still causing a whole lot of trouble, but they don't leave one area. And mm-hmm. it's still just as exciting. Not just because it's more filling, like fulfilling thematically, it's just more interesting to watch. Yeah. And and I would say that there's also a lot more character stakes involved too, so they don't yeah. have to have it be all about you know them it's kind of like the ending of of the third star wars movie where it's like oh well we really haven't done a good job setting up these three characters so we got to put all these conflict in this 20 minute fight yeah i i feel like man we i feel like we started the conversation saying that we were all fans of the movie (laughs) but then we kind of we kind of tore it down Um, because this is a big contention i think because it's such a spectacular uh, uh, like VFX showcase, and it was cool seeing Superman able to use his powers in a superhero fight. That you get excited about it initially, like in that first Smallville bit, but then once the Zod part hits, it just becomes ridiculous. Yeah, well, well and I think. It, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say that I like I like Man of Steel, and I like a lot of it. But I think where almost all of it falls apart to me is once I start piecing together that I'm supposed to believe this is Superman. Yeah. yeah. Like that's when like it as a as its own movie about a guy with superhuman powers doing crazy stuff. I'm like, hell yeah. Um, and I think 
you know, I think a lot of the, uh, like what you mentioned, the sci-fi elements of it, like it was wild. Like, and I think, I think Jor-El was cool in it, which is impressive because like, I didn't really think you'd get another cool Jor-El out since like the original Christopher Reeve ones were like real cool. Um, (laughs) And so like doing something cool again was impressive to me. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to top Marlon Brando. Exactly. Um, so the fact that like I was like, wow, that's a pretty cool Jor-El um, <laughs> was like cool. And I like I like the world they built for the Kryptonians. I thought that was really cool. Like the idea that they have removed sort of free will. Yeah. Um, and Superman's supposed to emblemize that. But then right with that final word, final phrase, I just said, we begin to get into the contention because it's like. Superman's supposed to emblemize it, but does he? No, no. He, do- he doesn't. And yeah, a lot of aesthetic aesthetic choices are cool, but you know, that stuff only adds up to so much. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of. Uh, it feels like a really solid second draft of a script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, really yeah. like it doesn't feel bad enough to be a first draft but it definitely feels like hey man you know this thing that you tried to set up yeah well why don't you go anywhere with it oh i forgot about it like because well, once again he's a good ideas man like he has interesting ideas but it come when it comes to fulfilling them he doesn't want to touch anything that might be oh man can't have emotions that that shit's gay or something like that he's a contemporary george lucas <laughs> well, it's true. George Lucas, though, he's at least even in the prequels, and I'm not saying the prequels are good because they're not, but even in that, the characters, oh God, it is still that weird thing about how the Jedi aren't allowed to have emotions, but the characters still have emotions, even though the text, the text says the Jedi don't have emotions. You can't look at me and say Obi-Wan, quote unquote, the best Jedi ever. Obi-Wan well, doesn't have a lot of emotions in those movies. That's not fair. You chose the one character who did show emotions. Pick pick a number two. I'm just saying, Dex, like, Dex no, I'm just saying, like, him as like a character. Like, even George Lucas is okay with characters having emotions. <laughs> well, that's to me, George Lucas. And this should be saved for the Star Wars conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, let, let's not get into a tangent about George Lucas because we're going on 102 minutes right now. Well, but yeah. I am just going to finish it with comparing the Zack Snyder thing is the fact okay. that I do feel like both of them, why I make that comparison is both of them come up with this fantastic idea. Yeah. Like where like, yo, and luckily for Zack Snyder, his fantastic idea was let's make shit look dope. And then he made 300 <laughs> and that's all 300 needed to be. Like you mentioned earlier, like it didn't need anything else. I'm like, are you looking hella, hella dope? Am I seeing glistening, beautiful, nubile men murder things? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we're, we're in. And that's all that matters. But the second you apply it to anything else, and we all agree that almost all of his movies look good. Like, I don't think anyone will say none of any of his movies look bad. Yeah, absolutely. They look good. He's got great sense of shot composition. And it's like, you know, George Lucas's mind when he was creating stuff, you're like, wow, that's really cool. And then you think of the greatest piece of Star Wars to come out and you realize it wasn't written or directed by him. Yeah. You're talking about The Last Jedi, right? Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So, yep. Man of Steel. It's, I would say, 
solid. A, a light solid. Can we give it a firm seven? Yeah, for it, it's it's on pretty unstable ground, but it's solid. For a crowd pleaser concerning a character who's really hard to appeal to a certain demographic of people, it really got what it was supposed to do. It's just I think they could have done that without uh, bastardizing the character as badly as they did. Yeah, it's it's like a rickety old wooden stepladder. Like, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll hold you, but... <laughs> he won't be comfortable with it. Yeah, <laughs> it'll wobble all the way up. But... Um, do we want to get into a Batman versus Superman discussion? No. Let's, let's say... Or do we want to... Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, we... We went pretty long on this. Um, okay, so let's do this. Okay, let's. We'll 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 meet up again, and we'll hopefully we can all catch Birds of Prey this weekend. Yep. Um, and if not, you know, we have plenty of content still to. Yeah, we discuss. still got we still got a handful of movies. Of if we want to still talk about, we still got. You know, yeah. Suicide Squad, and we got like Aquaman and stuff like that too. Yeah, so we'll 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 finish this topic, and then we'll we'll you know we'll tie it all together with with Birds of Prey, and I, I we'll talk to about you know what Joker means for all these movies, and right, where yeah, absolutely. Go, where the Batman ties into all these because it's clear that it's not really in either of those timelines. So that'll be fun. Um, I know Ray, I was gonna ask for a recommendation about something but i think we're pretty we can hold on we still, we still got a lot we still got a good long fun yeah. conversation talking about these we've got enough homework so yeah so for next week we'll pick it up with that versus superman because i know that's gonna be a nice long conversation I, I don't think i'm even gonna rewatch it i don't think i need to i, think I, I i've, I've watched it enough where it's in my shit's brain burned in my yeah shit's burned brother and yeah. just as like a teaser, the thing about BVS that's crazy is I think it's way worse than Man of Steel, but there's so many, once again, ideas and just shit packed into that movie that you can talk about it indefinitely because there's so many, I don't want to say interesting things, but there's just so many angles in that movie. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, definitely a uh, it's a, a movie. guilty pleasure of mine. It's fallen off that for me. I don't like it. Oh, really? Oh, oh that'll oh, be fun. See, okay. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, see, yeah, because I, I, I am, I am a Batman versus Superman apologist. Oh boy. Oh boy. Big nope. Time. We that, should. That's, we should see. Oh, that's no bueno. We should see. I, if no. Just... Oh yeah. We should see if Justin's available because he's also an apologist and I've debated him. See, I think here's it's the trash thing, movie. I think I'm in the same boat where I am with cats, where I'm just like <laughs> Oh no, it's it's bad. Don't get me wrong, but I fucking love it, unironically, and it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hold off because I know it's just gonna be more. I'm gonna hold off. Yeah, yep. oh, that'll be a good um, conversation. Yeah, we'll we'll devote a good chunk of the show to to that. Um, sounds good to me. We'll figure out we'll figure out a time to record. Sunday won't work because the Oscars are at night. Yep. Um, but I'm I'm glad we got to discuss them a little bit. Me too. 
I'm just glad that we all saw Parasite because I think it's one one movie to walk away to leave this year having recommended to people. Parasite. I cannot wait to watch the Oscars, see Parasite get announced as the uh, as the um, the best picture winner, best picture, and then, and then someone to rip it away and say down. no, it's actually uh, the Irishman. Cool, and then I will kill myself. Or, yeah, or you could just watch the movie and, you know, I don't know. I was going to try to wrap this up with some suicide joke, but. Or you can watch Oscar winning movie Suicide Squad. There you go. Academy Award winner. Suicide Squad. Best best makeup and hairstyling and face tattoos. There it is. I can't wait to fucking talk about that. <laughs> you can't spell damage without damn. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of us are an apologist for that. I like. Oh, I think that movie's I like. That'll be a very quick conversation. That <laughs> that'll just be. That horse doesn't really need to be beaten anymore but we'll be oh anyway. dude dude i've got a bat specifically <laughs> for that horse let me tell you brother like i'm i'm at a moment's notice to beat that horse again well you will get the opportunity to hell yeah it. but okay well, okay yo river derchi y'all uh have a good night See y'all all y'all driving to work tomorrow. Jeez. It's going to be snowy. It's going to be fun. You guys have a great night. Yep. We'll see you guys later. See you later, my dudes. Bye.